Hello, and thanks for listening to Healthcare 360, a podcast by BIOH. I am Rob Fields, the Chief Clinical Officer, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Joanne Pokaski in human resources, but specifically in workforce development. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Joanne, if you can tell us a little bit about your job, current state, but also a little bit about what got you here, what drove you to do this kind of work. Sure. So I am the Assistant Vice President of Workforce Planning and Development for the BILH system. And I think of my team's work as in three buckets. So mm-hmm. the first bucket is, how are we training people up into jobs we're having trouble filling, which is a lot of jobs these days. <laughs> so we're very busy. The second bucket is, how do we support over 37,000 employees in their career development and make sure they keep moving forward and they feel fulfilled with us. Mm-hmm. And then the last bucket is how do we make sure that people who live near our entities are connecting into those jobs? And so all the talent that lives near us, how are we making sure we're welcoming, we're bringing them in as well to right. the equation? And I came upon this job in an interesting way. I grew up, I was a government major. I knew I wanted to do uh-huh. something in government and I did government stuff. And I came back to Boston after grad school thinking I was going to do kind of real estate, kind of planning, urban development. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. I wasn't an architect and I wasn't a deal maker. And so it wasn't quite the right fit. And yeah. I ended up going to Morgan Memorial Goodwill Industries, which is a job training agency. Yeah. Yeah. And over time, I became the director of their one-stop career center. And so mm. one-stop career centers, for those who don't know, are like a college career center, uh-huh. but it's government-funded, and we have about 30 of them in Massachusetts. And anybody can go and get help looking for a job. And I love that job. Mm-hmm. The three years of helping people figure out, what do I want to do, and how am I going to go do it? And I think of looking for a job as something really complicated, kind of like buying a car or buying a house. And my team was there just to help people kind of make their way through mm-hmm. and connect to a job that hopefully had meaning for them, help them support their families, right. things like that. I loved it. And then I got a call one day that Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center wanted to start a workforce development program. Uh And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to move to the other side of the table. And instead of working with job seekers, I'm going to be working for an employer. And I thought a lot about what does it mean to be a good employer in this space? Mm -hmm. And for me, it meant being really welcoming to everybody and making sure that people had the opportunity to grow and thrive and really love their job. And so I moved to BIDMC in 2004. And two years ago, I was asked to run workforce planning and development across the system. How in that time has the job changed either for whatever reason. I imagine obviously the demographics and the characteristics of our employees might change over time just generationally, right? There are differences, but also the industry has changed, I imagine. Forgetting the system part of that, which I probably will ask you about too, but even just within the BI, I'm sure you saw a lot of change. I've seen a lot of change. I think when you're in this field, one of the things you have to do is understand that the economy always changes, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're in an economy where everybody wants a job and there aren't enough jobs. And sometimes you're in an economy where there's a lot of jobs and you're trying to find people to fill it. Right. So you really have to be sensitive to what's happening in the economy and how do we shift what we do. So I came in after a really bad time where there were a lot of vacancies. Mm -hmm. And so we started building this up. But I've also been there in a time where it seemed fine and we didn't have that many vacancies anymore. And so my team and I had to think about, well, what value do we add in this space? And part of what we could add is really helping people work to the top of their license and just really supporting the entity with training people up to do the best job they could and just coming in in troubled areas and helping bridge the gap between what skills people had and what skills we needed them to have. I'd say that riding the economy has been one of the changes. And this is like nothing I have seen, which, you know, the post-COVID economy right. is just really tough in terms of so much happening that's making it hard for us to hire in healthcare. 
Like what? So I'm also the chair of the State Workforce Board in Massachusetts, <laughs> and so I was just looking at some data today. Yeah. In the U.S., for every person who's unemployed, there are 1.7 job openings. Mm. In Massachusetts, there are two job openings. Wow. And four industries are leading that. And three, I can remember three of them. One is education, mm-hmm. one is healthcare, and one is utilities. And some of the reasons that those industries are having a hard time are, one, healthcare, and this has always been true, the fact that we have these very specific credentials and training that everybody needs right. to have makes it really hard to fill our jobs and be right. consistent. We have to be more planful in that space. We also are asking people to come back to work. We have a lot of in-person jobs because it's healthcare, right. um, And a lot of people are preferring to work from home. So it's going to be harder for us to find people who want to travel, come to a job, mm-hmm. and do that job in person. We've also seen a lot of retirements. And we've seen some burnout among the healthcare workforce. So yeah. it's a lot. But I'm confident we also have a lot of great things about working in healthcare too, right. including very stable jobs. And here at BILH, we have a really robust internal mobility program helping people thinking about, well, what do I want to do next? Mm-hmm. And who's going to support me doing that? Yeah, just within the industry and certainly within our organization specifically, there's a ton of room for growth and development if couched correctly. If, and the infrastructure exists, right? Which Yes. Why your team is there. Yes. There have been some universal truths, despite all the changes in the economy, that you feel like, what are some no-regret investments in workforce that you think about, for example? Like, despite, no matter how the economy changes. Yeah. I think we always want to be a place that just respects everybody and the contribution they make. And I feel like that's a really strong part of the culture, and I feel like a guardian of that culture. Like, number one, respecting everybody's contribution Mm -hmm. to taking care of patients is really important. And I think, you know, when I started at BIDMC so many years ago, that culture really just took what I was trying to do, and it just made me feel like, yeah, this is a really great fit. Mm-hmm. Because we can do it here because we're bringing people in and training them. But at the end of the day, they're respected, they're treated well. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is so important, right? So that's important. I think always helping people thinking about what's next or, you know, if I'm unhappy, having more of a personal touch, right? right. So I have folks on my team. Their job is to be career and academic advisors and meet with people one-on-one. And if somebody says, you know, I've applied to 20 jobs and I haven't gotten an interview. Right. We can help break that down and figure out, well, what's going on there and how can we help you do that? Because we don't want anybody to feel alone working for us. Right. So those are some of the things that come to mind for me. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Did the work in this podcast, we've had a few themes that have come up, and one of them is the context of everyone's job before the merger and after, in some ways, with this podcast, trying to tell the story of integration and change management and creating a new system, certainly within the context of the big challenges in healthcare right now. Did your job, other than scope, which obviously clearly did, any other big changes in terms of systemness that either made your job easier or harder? I don't know about easier or harder, but as we thought about expanding to the system, there are a few things. For me, we had to lead with building relationships because Mm -hmm. we were used to one culture, and now we're dealing with 13 cultures. And so learning those cultures, learning the people in those cultures was really important. And then when we decided to lead, you know, we're not only a system and a young system, this was during COVID craziness as well, right? Right. And a time where there just aren't enough people to do all the work that we need to do. And so we decided to lead with spreading out support for employees that didn't require a lot of effort on the part of the individual hospitals. Mm -hmm. So the hospitals could say, hey, here's what we're offering, and we could offer it, and it wouldn't have to do a lot of work. So we led with that, and some of our employee supports, like free college courses, ESOL classes, career advising, and worked to push that out. Another interesting 
thing is we're still trying to figure out the best way of pushing out information across the system too, right? right? right. Because we had 13 different ways of pushing <laughs> out that information right. and trying to make sure that if we wanted something out, it actually went out and the right message went out and things like that. So those have been some of the challenges along the way. And now we're in a place where I feel like the entities know what we do, what we can offer, and are really kind of partnering with us to offer more and more. And so it was just kind of getting everybody familiar with the concept, getting some stuff out there, having it be successful, and now starting to build what we're able to offer across the system. Yeah. I imagine, so there was the systemness part, which as a reminder for folks that have listened in the past, the merger happened on paper in 2019. I think we would all say it's still happening. You know, we're still Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And then the pandemic happened a year later. And I imagine that had major impacts on your work but I'm sure not only in terms of how you do it, because you were all remote, unless you were clinical and you had to come in. You alluded to this earlier. Folks that wanted to retire for sure retired in many cases afterwards. Some people, folks left the industry completely, and then yeah. there's a whole issue of travelers. I'm sure lots of things changed in terms of the workforce. How do you think about that now here a couple years after some of the worst of it? Well, I would say that I like to remind people that it's always been hard in some ways, right? And we talked about the credentials mm-hmm. and our need for everybody to have these very specific credentials has always made it hard mm-hmm. in healthcare, right? So we were doing that work beforehand and then it became really, really, really hard. <laughs> and sometimes people would say, oh, you know, in the worst of the pandemic, when everything was super uncertain, we had to press pause because people were like, we can't handle this. We can't bring in new people to this environment, things like that. Right. And so part of my job was to advocate for when, things got a little bit better to bring us back Mm -hmm. and talk about why we were important and that we were planning for the future. And we have a big piece in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we're an important piece to bring back for that reason as well. So one thing I'll add with the pandemic is it really exposed how not thoughtful we can be as an ecosystem thinking about the healthcare workforce. And I think we have a lot of work to do in that space. So Mm -hmm. one example is nurses, right? Mm -hmm. Like as a state, I'm not sure we know how many nurses we're graduating a year. And, you know, we are turning away people who want to go to nursing school, who are on wait lists and things like that. And we need as a state to really wrap our arms around the healthcare workforce and make sure we are thinking about how many people need to be trained as nurses, as other things, to meet our needs. Because we're just not training the right number of people right now. And as the second largest employer in the state, we have a role to play proactively in helping that conversation and adding to the thinking in that space, adding our resources in that space to make it happen. Because, you know, gone are the days, even when I started years ago, I'd be like, gone are the days where the perfect candidate is just going to come to you begging for a job. Right. And boy, are those days gone now. Right. So Mm -hmm. one of the things we've had to do is get really, really creative when everybody is looking for people to come work for them. How do we make it even easier for people to get into healthcare? And I'll give you one example of Mm -hmm. that. If you wanted to be a medical assistant 10 years ago, you would kind of look around. There's all these different medical assistant programs. Maybe you'd pay somebody $3,000, $4,000 to go through a program. And then you'd look around and see if you can get a job somewhere. Well, now we need medical assistants and there just aren't that many. And so we have a program where we're hiring people who are interested in the role. We're providing a paid eight-week training. So they're getting paid over eight weeks while we train them into the role. Mm -hmm. And then we're connecting them immediately to one of our primary care offices where they're becoming a clinical assistant. And at the one-year mark, we're helping them get certified so then they can give immunizations and things like that. So what a different path Right? right, but what a better path and what an equitable path right. to get more people into healthcare. And so, how do we scale that up so we're getting the people we need? And also, what a great opportunity for people who've wanted to go into healthcare and have a stable job with benefits, a good paying job, to move into this space. Yeah, 
I imagine, especially from an equity perspective, getting the message out into communities that these programs exist. As you mentioned, part of your role is not only to enrich, develop, support our existing employees, but also going out there and building the workforce of the future. I imagine that takes a ton of energy and a strategy, right, to get out there a bit and spread the word. How do you do that? (laughs) Good question. So when I was running the One Stop Career Center, I would call a lot of hospitals and Mm -hmm. no one would return my phone call. (laughs) And that is how it can feel sometimes, being outside of a hospital. So when I started in this role, I said, number one is we're going to return every community job training organization's phone call. Mm -hmm. And anybody who wants to work with us, we'll have a conversation with them and we'll figure out how to work together. So then we have this network of folks that are trying to train people into good paying jobs that we're connecting with. We're helping them figure out how to make it through our system. We get referrals from people who might be job ready and we actively watch those referrals and make sure it makes it through to a job at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So we are building relationships with all these different community-based organizations. And yeah, I have two people on my team who do this and it takes a lot of work. Another piece is the turnover and some of these organizations can be oh, a lot. So we're always kind of refreshing those relationships and right. making sure the new person who just started last week understands right. this is our process, this is how you can reach out to us, this is how we'll help you. So it does take a lot of work, but it does pay off. And this last year alone, over 70 people from the community have moved into jobs at our hospital, kind of supported by my team in making that happen. That's great. Yeah. In times of scarcity, which we're definitely in a time of scarcity as it relates to workforce, as you mentioned, more job openings than we have folks entering into them. There is an even greater emphasis, I know, that we have worked on several projects on retention. And obviously development in terms of career paths, as you've already alluded to, is a huge part of that. But there are other things that folks are looking for. Compensation is certainly out there, so I know there's work going on there. But what other things in terms of strategies has your team thought about to help retain the staff that we've got because you invest so much time, energy, and money into getting them here and now we got to keep them here and have them feel supported. So other than things we mentioned. Yeah, so I'll mention, you know, in that career development bucket, we have a few things. One is a lot of people end up here, maybe they started college, they didn't finish, they've thought about going back to school, they haven't figured out how to do it. We have some free basic building block courses that we offer through Bunker Hill Community College and North Shore Community College for free for our employees. So it's a great opportunity to get some college courses under your belt. My career advisors and academic advisors are also sitting down with people thinking about, okay, you know, what do you want to do? Let's path that out for Mm -hmm. you. How can tuition reimbursement support you? How can scholarships support you? How can the courses we offer support you? Mm -hmm. to doing what you want to do at the end of the day. We also have a NEAT program that we started a few years ago with Bentley, where we have an MBA program for BILH employees. And so about every year now, people apply for this program, and they go through this program as a cohort of BILH leaders and emerging leaders who are in the same cohort working virtually to get an MBA. They focus very much on healthcare and we're able to offer a reduced rate because it's a special partnership. So people need to stay with us while they go through this program. And it's a great way of retaining some leadership in this program. That's great. And building the workforce of the future from a leadership perspective. Exactly. You know, in an era where folks are choosing, and especially in a market like Boston that has a ton of brands and health systems associated with it, where folks have more choice perhaps than in a rural community where if you want to be in healthcare, you may not have the same choice. What's been your experience in how people make those decisions? Is it purely comp? I'm going to guess not, because at some point, so the comp gets sort of flattened out and it gets similar-ish. What other things are people looking for? Are they necessarily thinking development right off? Or I think a lot of people think, do I fit here? How am I treated here? How mm-hmm. do I feel when I come into work every day, mm-hmm. right? Like, am I like, oh, I don't want to go in there again? 
right. with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Or are you like, oh, you know, I just saw this person in the hallway and they said hi to me and it really made my day. And, you know, I think a strong culture is so important and a culture that values everyone's contribution, like I said before. Right. I feel like that's so important. And then beyond there, do you feel good about the work you do? Do you feel appreciated for what you do? Do you f- And do you feel like there's a path ahead? Do you see a future for yourself mm-hmm. in the organization? I think those are all really important. Yeah. Are there other programs or initiatives that you want to make sure we talk about? I'll share this one that surgical technologist is one group that we have a lot of vacancies right now. It's a really critical role in the OR. And Leahy came to us and said, you know, we really want to think about doing a surge tech program. And Mm -hmm. we had run one years ago and we stopped. And so we looked around and we found that there was a school in the area, LaSalle, that was running a program that seemed to be a good fit for how we want to work with people. So we are running a program where we're identifying employees who want to become a surgical technologist. And then we're supporting them with the courses, but also part of being a surgical technologist is you need to be a lot of time doing that hands-on clinical training. So for this program, we're supporting people as they do the clinical training as well. So they're coming in, you know, maybe they're a medical assistant or something like that. We're going to try to keep their income whole while they go through this training program and support them as they're getting the hands-on training that they need. At the end, they can be a surgical technologist with us. That's awesome. And so that's what I call the win-win-win, right? Yeah. So it's a win for the employee who's moving to this new job that is paid a lot more money. It's a win for us because we have a great, talented person who knows what it's like to work in our system and has this new skill that we really need. And it's a win for our community as more people are trained Absolutely. to the search tech role. Yeah. Without mentioning names because we haven't asked for her permission, is there an anecdote that you can share from one of your programs that might be helpful for listeners to really understand the impact this might have, sure, on the system and on our workforce, but on the individual? Yeah. We had made a decision at BNEMC a while back that we were only going to hire nurses at the bachelor train level. Okay. With association with the IOM report that said that that's the best practice. And then we found ourselves wondering why we didn't have any diverse nurses. And, you know, we tried a lot of different things, but in order to have a different result, we needed a different way of thinking. And we had some advice from African-American nurses at BIDMC that that bachelor requirement was creating some problems to bringing in more diverse nurses. So we created a program where we were hiring nurses at the associate degree level, and they did eight weeks of just kind of being at BIDMC, mm-hmm. and then they started being a nurse at BIDMC, but we also supported them to get that bachelor's degree at the same time. So we just started our fourth cohort of that program, and we graduated two cohorts of people through a bachelor's degree. Wow. So we have a more diverse nursing workforce, a workforce that looks more like our patients, Yeah, and it's been a really great program for us. And one of the people in that first cohort of the program, her dad had worked at BIDMC for years. Oh, wow. And now he saw his daughter as a nurse at BIDMC. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. Big goals or thoughts for the next couple <laughs> of years? Or what are sort of aspirational things that, or maybe not less aspirational, more big things you guys are thinking about or working on over the next couple of years that are priorities for you? You know, I think scaling up is more important. I think what we do is impactful, but we need more resources to have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. So that's really important for us. We've been thinking about how do we just make it even more clear. So if you're thinking about going back to nursing school, there are a lot of resources we provide that would help you to do that. How do we package that in a way that's just much more clear? Mm -hmm. We're thinking of calling it Pathways to Nursing, right? So if you're thinking of going to nursing school, we have these free courses that we can offer for you. We can advise you on, you know, the different programs in the area and what their requirements are. We can prep you to take the entrance test because we have access to like an online that does that. And 
Also, we're hearing more about free community college in the state. Mm-hmm. How do we understand that more so our employees can access that? Right. How do we then combine it with tuition reimbursement and scholarship right. opportunities? And really, how can we be experts and great resources for our employees? For those who want to go to nursing, we need a lot of nurses. Yeah. And how can we be a better resource in that space? Yeah, that's it's almost like making the, the journey more obvious and concrete, right? People can visualize the endpoint. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Joanne, thank you for your time today and for your team and the work that you guys do for the system and most importantly for our employees, both uh, current and future. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. And if folks have ideas or thoughts for a future podcast, please email me at robert.fields at bilh.org or leave comments on our social media platforms. Thank you very much. And could I add, if if people are interested in learning more about our programs, you can email careerdevelopment at bilh.org. Awesome. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you.